Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Don't stop. Welcome to Mission Unstoppable with Coach Frankie Picasso. You're about to meet some of the most amazing people. They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events, and emerge triumphantly. They're people just like you and me, and they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Here's Frankie to show you how. I know that you're unstoppable. I know all of you are unstoppable. That's what's so cool about my show. <laughs> but tonight you're going to meet another unstoppable woman. She is a delight. And we are going to go to the land from down under, hence the different time of my show today. My guest today is Dr. Geraldine Tegelove. And Geraldine has a doctorate in metaphysical studies. She's an intuitive, a spiritual life coach, a composer of Celtic New Age music. I love that. And she's also the author of the international bestseller, Beyond Broke. And her newest book, Today's Note to Self, has just got rave reviews. She's also uh, published numerous Oracle card decks. And I can attest from my own personal experience, she is a fantastic reader. Geraldine is the host of her own radio show, Geraldine Tegelove Live, and tonight you are going to meet this incredible woman, find out what makes her unstoppable, and I'm just going to let her tell it in her own story, because you know what, it's better to hear it from, straight from the horse's mouth anyway, <laughs> <laughs> as they say, not that you're a horse, don't get me wrong. Uh, Geraldine, lovely to have you on the show, thank you for joining me today. Well, it's such a pleasure to be here, Frankie, and yes, unstoppable. Uh, um, it has been, um, I, I, I'm sure you don't mind me sharing, Frankie, Please. today, um, we got word yesterday that they were going to do emergency work on our power lines today, which meant, of course, we have no power. So I thought, right, what am I going to do? You know, Frankie's show, I've got to be there. So I've made a flying trip to uh, Bendigo, where one of our daughters happens to be, and I'm sitting upstairs in her cafe at the moment. So if anybody would like a coffee or, a, you know, whatever, <laughs> so I'm sure car, we can yeah. manage that. Um Unstoppable, Frankie. Well, you know, about 10 years ago, I was anything but unstoppable. In fact, not only had I stopped, but I was going backwards out the door. And because uh, we'd kind of gone through uh, rather a, we, we like now to refer to it as a little hiccup in life. But at the time, believe me, it wasn't a little hiccup. We just lost everything financially. So, um, you know how that happened? I mean, did it sneak up on you or was it just boom? It probably snuck up on us a little bit. Um, but it, at the time, it didn't seem to matter what we did. We just could not stop it. It just seemed to be flowing. And regardless of what we did to try and stem the tide, it just didn't work. We were just in the middle of it and you know, at one point I decided, right, if this is going to happen, it's going to happen. And so let's get on with it. Um, now, your husband, was, I'm going to stop you right there because I'm going to go back, back, back a little bit because yes, yes. I think we jumped into the middle of the story. We don't know any details. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Geraldine, you have a husband, Bill, and you guys, you know, obviously you're a team and you, what, were you running a and b at the time? Yes, yes. Well, probably, frankly, we were living what most people would consider the absolutely perfect life. I mean, Bill and I met at the tender age of 18 and 19 and uh, fell in love and have lived happily ever after, which is lovely. So we're coming up to our 45th wedding anniversary. Amazing. And, um, and yes, we are very lucky to be in that position. We had three gorgeous kids doing what gorgeous kids do, you know, following their path and doing what they're here to do. We had some little grandkids at that point. We had a beautiful 40-acre uh, property um, beside the Murray River, which is 
um, one of the largest rivers here in Australia, particularly down south where we are. And I had my own business, a bed and breakfast business. We had built it from the ground up. It was all built in mud brick and recycled timbers. And it was just beautiful. The cottages were beautiful. And everything was running. You know, I was constantly booked out. Everything was flowing. Bill had actually, um, he was principal of a local secondary college And so, you know, life was pretty good. (laughs) And then it over probably about two years is when it all began to fall apart. And I'm just so grateful that regardless of what happened to us financially, the relationship stayed well and truly together. Yeah, because a lot of times it doesn't. You know, you start to blame one another, you know, whose fault is it? How could this happen? How could you let it happen? And and it's like, you guys seem to be able to really weather and work well together because you don't you don't last fifty two years or whatever it you know by not learning how to yes. work together. Well, I guess we both kind of looked at each other and said, "Well, we're in it, so you know, this is it." And together, we can do anything. Perhaps on our own, it might be a little more difficult, but together. But you were late 50s at at this time and not an easy time, a time, like you say, when a lot of people are thinking about retirement. They're not thinking about what new business can I start? No, no. And all our friends were chatting about their, you know, their trips overseas to, uh, you know, their holidays during retirement and what they were going to do. And we're sitting there thinking, we just want to know how we're going to put a meal on the table tomorrow or pay the rent or do all of those sorts of things. It, it certainly was a scary place to be in, yes. So let me stop you there. Let's go back, way back to little Geraldine, five-year-old Geraldine. <laughs> <laughs> when you were sitting around playing with whatever you played with, dolls or trucks or whatever, um, what did you imagine you were going to do or be when you grew up? I distinctly remember, Frankie, um, making, we lived on a farm and um, we had this big wood heap, you know, where, you know, mum or dad cut the wood and it was under this big cypress tree and it overlooked uh, what we call a paddock or a field and uh, which was full of cars, dairy cars. And I used to make a stage there. I would put all the logs together and I'd put this piece of wood across the top and I would sing to thousands. I would sing to my audience (laughs) and I'd just make up songs as I went uh, because I loved music and music was really in me and through me. And so this was what I did. I distinctly remember, too, sitting at a piano, looking at the keys at about four or five, thinking, I know how to play this. I've just forgotten. Mm -hmm. And so once again, I would just make up, you know, things on the piano. And then I was given a guitar by somebody. I can't even remember who. And I thought once again, I don't know how to do this, but I'm sure I can figure it out. So... I would start making up things on the guitar and singing my songs again. So way back then, I knew that music was going to be part of my life. Um, Funnily enough, too, I had an incredible connection to God. And, of course, being brought up Irish Catholic, the name we used then was, or the name I used then was God, Now I have a very different understanding of that energy. But, yes, I had this incredible connection there that I I just, I think I just knew about things. So you were always intuitive. You just knew. And do you think that you came into this life knowing how to play those that that music and, and, and write that music or it was a part of another lifetime for you and that's why it seems so familiar? I think it was both. I think it was part of another lifetime because, you know, sitting at that piano thinking, I know how to do this. I've just forgotten, mm-hmm. you know, even at a very young age. And, but I just knew that music was 
part of going to be part of my life. And then I taught music for about 25 years. Oh, you did? Oh, okay. What yeah. did you do, like piano or singing or? I, well, I taught classroom music. So I went into schools and I would take each class for music. So we'd sing songs and we'd play instruments and, you know, we'd Fun. Um, do drama and, but it was all around music. And I absolutely loved that. And the kids loved it too. For sure. I think it was, they got out of doing math or, you know. Yeah, but it's fun. Yeah, it was fun. It was fantastic. And it allowed those children who maybe were not so good at other things that chance to really shine. So mm-hmm. it was really great fun. So you grew up to be a music. Music was a very, very important part of your life. And nature, was na- did you know that nature was an important part of your life then? Very much so. Um, going back to my early childhood, I was um, one of those, there are many of us here in this world, <clears throat> pardon me, a victim of childhood abuse. And so the way I, I overcame that fear and when I went into hiding, which I did quite often, I would climb the trees and I'd sit in the top branches because I knew there I felt safe and I felt as if the trees just enveloped me really in that. I, we also rode horses when we were, I mean, we could ride a horse before we could walk basically. So uh, horses were really important part of my life. And when things got too much, I would just get on the horse and ride. And so I always had that connection. I drove mum up the wall because her beautiful rose garden, I was forever picking the rose petals and I'd be making perfumes and, you know, little tinctures and I'd bring home leaves and pebbles and feathers and you name it. I'd have all these collections around me. And at the time, I really didn't know why. But you couldn't it, be an only child being Irish Catholic. No, middle of five. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. So the others thought, you know, and I was always labeled the black sheep of the family. So, and that was fine. I, I didn't really mind that, you know, it was just the way I was and what I did. And yeah. Wow. So you've always been, you know, I, I always think of the middle child as the one that walks to a different drummer, the one that, you know, is a little offbeat, but, but very cool. <laughs> I always <laughs> Well, I hope so. I'd like to think myself cool, Frankie. Yeah, very cool. I'm not sure that I did think that back then, but I know I was different. But, I was very- but so when you when you and Bill found yourself at this stop road, you know, or crossroads, let's say, um, who took the lead? Well, emotionally, I let's think, say. Yeah, I think we both fell into a depressed state, and we both sat there for about six months not knowing what to do or which way to turn. Um, Bill, who had been in, um, you know, as principal, school principal for many, many years, could not even find a job teaching. So he went to, uh, I think together we both knew, right, we just have to do what has to be done in order to at least keep ourselves going. Mm. So, he actually got a job working in a car factory. Oh, wow. And he said, I probably, and this is nothing about, against people who work in factories or anything, but he came home one day and he said, you know, when you've really hit that bottom, when you have to put your hand up as a, you know, a nearly 60 year old and asked to go to the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, you know, that was his moment. And um, I guess we both knew we just had to to do it. So I went and I actually f- went and did what we call emergency teaching here. You know, I filled in for substitute people, teaching. Yeah, substitute teaching. And then I was very lucky because at the end of a, a few weeks, one of the teachers was going on leave for a term and they asked me, would I please take the position? So I very gratefully said yes. Um, and then at the end of that year, they, the principal called me into the office and, and said, you know, 
we'd love you to stay on full time. But the problem was, Frankie, I, um, I, had, I had to go back and do some study because I had been trained as a teacher, but I had to upgrade my qualifications. And if we go back a few steps, about six months into this whole, you know, disaster, we might call it back then, um, I woke up. In fact, we both did one morning. It was as if we both just came to it at the same time. And I woke up and I thought, I just cannot possibly live this way one minute longer. I know other people have gone through this. I know they've come out the other side in bigger and better ways. So if they can do it, so can I. And so the first step I have to take is I'm just going to be happy no matter what. And, you know, was I happy? No. For the first week or so, I decided, right, what if I could just be happy for five or ten minutes for the day, put everything else aside, and just for that little moment. So that's what I did. And every day I added another five minutes onto it. And I made sure I went walking and I listened to music and all those things. But that decision to be happy, and it was funny, the same day Bill said to me, you know what, I'm just over this. I'm just, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to buy into any negativity any longer. I'm just going to change that and, and just be positive about things. There's got to be something positive about this. So I think we both did that. Wow. At the That's same incredible. time. Yeah. yeah. What a great decision. What a great idea to think about. Let's just be positive for five minutes because I can't take any more negativity. Like it's yeah. just drowning in the sorrow and, and nightmare. And, and so you, you, you changed your life by thinking differently. And you just did. a little tiny bit at a time. You know, when you say to people, you can just choose to be happy. Yes, you can. It's a choice. Every single thing we do is a choice. But it's not quite that easy. And having been in that space, right. I know how it's not easy. So just by doing it a little bit at a time, you can gradually build yourself into it. Were you able together to find the silver lining in what happened did you ever sit down and go you know what like (laughs) (laughs) I think it was probably staring me in the face Frankie but you know being me being me I wasn't going to own up to it for quite some time I thought no it was so much it was so much more comfortable to sit in the wallow oh yeah and and tell everybody how how terrible it was and how life was for us and you know feel sorry for me and listen to my story and you know all those things that we we love to do when we're sitting uncomfortably in comfort yeah so um but I would have to say that came more because with the decision to be happy I suddenly had this insatiable thirst to learn you know, I had to learn what others did to get out of it and move on. And once again, me being me, I can't just do a little bit. I have to do the works. And so once I started, I just seemed to want to keep going. I wanted to learn more and more and more. And it was as if there was this urge welling up inside me which I think is welling up inside a lot of people at the moment, to, um, to really find that inner guidance and find what was, what, who I really was, I suppose, what I was made of and what was my part to play in this universe. So I just began to read and study and, you know, anything that I possibly could get hold of and that was the moment I really stepped into taking Mother Nature on as my guide and mentor because I couldn't afford anything. I mean, we there were the days when I opened my purse and I'd have a dollar and I'd think, how can I make a meal from a dollar? 
until the day I remember it distinctly. I had, I had learned the day before that whatever you want to receive, you must first give. And if you wanted money, then you had to give money. But in doing that, it would come back multiplied tenfold. And I thought, well, I really, you know, tenfold's not quite enough for me. I need it to come back hundredfold and I need it immediately. So I, I distinctly, I can close my eyes and I can see it. I walked to our local supermarket and I had $1 in my purse. And I thought, this law better work because I'm about <laughs> to put this dollar in the Royal Children's Hospital Appeal. And I'm saying to myself, not quite out loud, but, you know, <laughs> with everybody around me, this really better work. And remember everyone talking to spirit, I need this to come back a hundredfold. None of this, don't be telling me 10. I need more than $10. So I finally got the courage to put the dollar in the bin. And then I walked home thinking, well, Bill's going to be really pleased with me when I tell him I've put the only money I had into the Royal Children's Hospital Appeal. Do you know, by the time I got home, about half an hour later, the telephone rang and it was a, a school up the road saying, could you please come in now because one of our teachers has had to go home sick and we need you today. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Off I went and it returned to me over a hundred times over. So I thought, mm, maybe this stuff really does work. <laughs> so, but, and it didn't have to be the money from the money that you put in. It came no. from a different source, but abundance is abundance. Abundance is abundance. And so I began to put that to work in my life on an ongoing basis. And I guess a lot of people and very successful people will tell you that they always tithe. And, and you know, we had always tithed to our church at that point. And uh, so, you know, this was just another form of tithing. And what we give out, of course, we but give back. do you think that when people tithe without thinking about it, you know, it's just something that they're expected to do. They do it. Is that the same as giving with intention? No. I think you have to give with intention. Because yeah. I remember we gave because it was expected. Right, you know, when, right. When we yeah. were younger, we always gave to the church. You know, you, you, in fact, they would come around to the house and you would sit down with the members of the board and you would, tell them how much that you were going to give on a weekly basis or a monthly basis, you wow. know, whatever it was going to be. And that was, and we never we kind of thought anything of it. We just thought, oh, yes, that's what you do, but didn't realize at the time that we were actually tithing. And nobody ever explained that, you know, and I'm sure now if people explain that if you give money, you will get back in amazing, amazing ways. And it may not even be money. You know, you might be wanting a new fridge and you give the money and somebody arrives at the doorstep saying, well, you know, we've got this fridge. We don't know what to do with it. It's too big. Can you take it? Yeah. And so, but nobody ever explained that. It wasn't until I read about tithing and read about the power of tithing that I really took it on board and said, okay, now I know what this is all about. And now I know why I'm doing it. Yeah. So there's some good lessons. I mean, you, there's a number of lessons that you learned a, that, you know, some people make a career out of sitting in their pity party <laughs> yes. and, yes. and you decide that wasn't the kind of life for you. So you were going to, you're going to switch that up and start thinking happier thoughts, which is great. And, and then you learned about giving and getting, and the, really the law of abundance yes, and, and the law yeah. of attraction, right? I, I, it's funny that you said that because I said to somebody the other, I was just telling somebody a story the other day about how I didn't have any money to feed the kids. And I had, you know, a, I had a, like a $2 for a scratch ticket or something. And I, but I just knew if I bought it, I would get, you know, $10 for, for dinner. And, yes. and so, you know, with all the faith in my heart, I went and I bought that ticket. And, you know, sure enough, I got the money. And they said, well, that's not really 
a good plan. And maybe it's not a good plan, but with the knowing, you know, and I needed it and I knew it was going to happen because the kids had to eat. Um, it was going to, it was going to work out, but it's, it's interesting, you know, how, how it all works. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, Frankie, I think probably the biggest lesson out of all of it. And, and yes, I did, you know, I, I had come to the realization that this was something that was meant to happen. Mm-hmm. It was, and now that I understand that we choose what we want to experience and express in this life, that it definitely was something that I had chosen to put myself through in order to to learn what I had come to learn. But you, you know, both we, did. Well, that's what's yeah. interesting. You both did. You both, it was like you signed a soul contract or something. You said, we're going to come in and we're going to do it together. And I think we probably, you know, then we both decided at one point because going back to the teaching, when I was, the principal called me into the office and said, no, nah, you know, and, and she had, kind of knew what had gone on. Not didn't know the full story. <clears throat> and she said to me, so we'd love to offer you full-time work. And, you know, you can have the time to upgrade your studies and whatever. And I looked at her and I thought, mm, and so I said, can I have time to think about it? And I could tell she was going, my goodness, woman, what have you got to think about? You know, mm-hmm. we're offering you full-time work here. And on my way home, I thought, well, I've got a choice here and it's a big choice. Do I take up the offer and just do what will bring in the money and pay the bills? Or do I, which is, you know, following a path of safety, really. Or do I follow a path of faith and do what I know is in my heart to do in this world? And I got home and I said to Bill, I've offered a, been offered a full-time job. And he said, but you're not going to take it, are you? And I said, would you mind very much? And he said, no. Um, and I would have to say, I am married to the most beautiful man that is on this planet. And he said, you know, Geraldine, we're in this together. And how about I support us? And you go ahead to put our lives back together. But on one condition, everything you learn, you have to teach me. So that's what we we did. And mind you, I didn't sit around completely. I went back to school and I said to the principal, I can't take up your offer because I'm already studying. And she said, oh, but could we transfer the studies? And I said, no, I'm studying metaphysics. Oh, she said, and this was a Catholic school. Mm. And I said, and besides, I do things out of school hours that are really not in alignment with your teachings here. And it would not be fair to the school or to anybody if I um, chose to come because I, I can't give up what I'm doing. And she she said, oh, okay. So I walked out of the office thinking, oh, my goodness, I've really done it now. You're like I? a witch burning at the stake now. <laughs> yes, I am. So I left the school and um, because even at that stage, I was doing a lot of energy work and I was doing, you know, readings for people. And, and so I looked up the newspaper and I found a company who was employing women to clean houses so I rang and yes they could take me on and so I took a deep breath and said to Bill well I'm going to clean houses and he said you don't have to do that and I said yes I do I have to pull my weight here and I'll clean houses for four days a week and and together because we refused to go bankrupt we decided we would pay absolutely everybody out and because uh, that's just who we are and that was a decision we made. It's, you know, it's not the mm-hmm. decision for everybody and I understand that completely. 
So I cleaned houses and it was great because I could put the headphones on and I could listen to audiobooks while I was happily cleaning and I could say all my affirmations and I could visualize while I was scrubbing the shower and, you know, so I, I didn't waste my time until gradually the work began to increase and the money began to roll in. Bill then got a teaching position and slowly our lives began to come back together. But I think at the top of the list of what we had both learned was unconditional love and forgiveness of self and of others. And that, you know, this is a no-brainer. If you want your life to improve in any way, you just have to forgive. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as one word. Yeah. Well, who were you forgiving? I had to forgive my dad mm. and love him for who he was and accept the fact that we had chosen that experience together. Mm-hmm. And uh, he actually came to live with us because, of course, you know, the family felt he should be in jail. And I could see the soul of a man who was so sorry for what he had done. And um, I decided I had to live by what I believed and, and wow. Bill did too. So we, he came to live with us. Um, mind you, it wasn't so loving to start with. I took back my power. And then gradually I could just see that he just needed to be forgiven and, and I needed to let it go. I needed to forgive and, mm-hmm. and move on too. Um, so in all of that, I think. That's uh, incredible. Well, it's only because it, it frees yourself, yeah. Frankie. And yeah. I remember that the, he died. He, um, I got a phone call. I was in Melbourne at a running a workshop actually. And I got a phone call and I was about two and a half hours from home. And I got a call from he, at the last couple of years he was in care and they said, how far away are you? Because your father's had a fall. And I thought, if you're calling me, it's not good. Mm-hmm. So I broke every speed limit under the sun to get there. And then it took him about three days to actually die and it was all about you know I know he was too scared to die because of his beliefs and upbringing Mm -hmm. and you know I it was constantly holding his hands and saying God loves you no matter what you know this is what we did together and it's okay Mm -hmm. um yeah so I think and nobody else in the family could forgive him or no. they couldn't see by your your example, nothing. No, no. Wow. And that's that's okay because that's their journey too. And I quite understand that if that's where they're at. And then I had to forgive myself for holding on to it for so long. And even going through our financial hiccup, you know, I had to forgive myself too for, um, I guess, sitting in the wallow for so long and and not getting up and doing something about it. Um, so, yeah, gradually you learn to forgive. But forgiving self is a huge one. Yeah, that's a hard one. Mm. It's hard to do. It's hard to see the, the, the beauty in, in the forgiveness. But, you yes. know... I, to forgive yourself for wallowing, I think, I think that's allowable. I think you're yeah. allowed to feel sorry for yourself for a little bit. And then you got to pull up your bootstraps and move on. And I think that's, that's what unstoppable people do. The, you know, those who sit in it and stay there and, and go, oh, that's it. I give up now. Or this is my life now. Or this has always been my life. And I don't, you know, I can't move on. Because it does feel good. It, it does feel good to sit there. Like you said, it was delicious. You know, you had a story and people would feel sorry for you. And, and that's pretty rich, right? Uh, you yeah. can trade on that. You can get yeah. a cup of tea on that, right? <laughs> oh, and 
so much more. You can feel so good. Yeah, it feels really good. But we yeah. have a rule. Yeah, we have a rule in our house, though, Frankie. Now, you know, if something goes wrong or you you're feeling a bit about life, um, the kids call it a, a crap attack. Excuse my language. You're allowed to have it, but you're only allowed. I mean, there's only the two of us at home sure. now, but we still have the rule. Okay, we have to time it. Mm-hmm. So if you're feeling uptight about something or you cross about something or whatever, we both say to each other, right, how long do you need? And I'll, you know, sometimes it'll be oh, 10 minutes and sometimes I'll say, I need at least an hour for this one. And so we'll both say to each other, okay, you've got the hour, but at the end of the hour, that's it. It's over. Mm-hmm. So... Oh, you say, oh, good. Okay, so I've got an hour. Oh. <laughs> but you know, at the end of the hour, you have to cut it off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know, with my clients, like I call it the BMW, the bitch, moan, and wine. You get two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I then think that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. It's a great lesson for people who are listening, um, you know, to go through extreme difficulties and, and come to the understanding. That's growth. I mean, first of all, that's like maturity and growth. Huge, big time. To know <laughs> that, that, you know, to see yourself in it and say to yourself, I'm going to come out of this. I, I, this is not healthy. It doesn't feel good. It's not good for anybody. Not good for your children. It's not good for, you know, even the greater, the greater world to, to have all that negativity everywhere. We need to, you know, I think we, each of us has a bit of a responsibility to put some positivity back into the world. So, you know, kudos to you. So once you started to take it upon yourself to study metaphysics, what, where did, what was the first area you went to? Like, where were you drawn to? I think naturally, uh, frankly, I was drawn to learning about, I remember I did the um, You Were Born Rich program mm-hmm. uh, through Bob Proctor. And then I went into a mentoring program with him for, and that ran for about eight months and that all just fell into place. It's amazing how it does when you put it out there and say, this is what I need. Um, I think the biggest thing though was my connection to nature and every day I would go walking and I would say, right, what is it that I need to learn today? And so I would be drawn to an image of some sort And I began to photograph those images just with my phone. And then on my way home, this message would drop in. And it would tell me what the image was about, (coughs) what the lesson was from that particular image. And so I began to build this knowledge of understanding through nature. And then that expanded into... You know, I would then go out and I'd I'd actually say, right, today I want you to show me love or I want you to show me um, hope or peace or whatever it was. And then as I grew on inside, I would say, okay, now today I want to really see you. You know, I'd stand in front of the tree and I'd say, I want to really see you. I know I can see the trunk and I can see the branches and I can see the leaves, but I want to see you. And so I began to see the energy within the trees and the energy flowing between them. And then I would stand between two old trees and I would, I would just allow that energy to flow, you know, through me between. And, and that I think, that really deepened my understanding. I didn't have, I didn't have the understanding of quantum mechanics then, which I then, you know, once again, I thought, I've got to know how this works. <laughs> you know, I, I want to know more and more about this. Um, so I began to really look at quantum mechanics from a metaphysical point of view and, and figure out how energy really works and how it flows and what we're made of and what is it when we decide to set an intention about something? What, what actually happens from a scientific point of view? So, um, yeah, I think it was, I've probably got off the point a bit here. I'm sorry, Frankie. No, you didn't. 
But I think it's it was that connection to nature that, and you never lose that. You know, we've all got that if we would only spend the time. And I used. I, to I think, think every time I've talked to you, it's like, oh, I just got back from my walk. Oh, I'm just going on my walk. <laughs> you're going or you're coming from one, but. <laughs> but and I think it was form. you know I, I used to think. Um, I used to think, oh, you know, nature spirits are all coming closer. But in fact, it wasn't. They were, they were exactly where they've always been. I was getting closer to them. And I was opening my heart, I guess, to what they had to offer and what they had to teach me. So is this where the cards came from? The, the photographs yes. and then the understanding in the photograph of the image that you started to develop a, a language within the cards? And I have a, a set of cards, uh, frankly, that I haven't published as yet. I'm waiting for the moment, <laughs> which I'm hoping will be towards the end of this year. They're all ready to go. But I've been working with a deck of, of 70 cards that are totally from nature spirit, all the images. And I've been working with these for oh, five years now, five or six years now, to make sure that they were exactly what I wanted and I could use those because when you read for people, it's nice to have something uh, material in front of them because mm. uh, I could be just plucking things from anywhere. But it's lovely at least if they have something in front of them. So these nature spirit cards are just uh, absolutely beautiful. And every time, you know, people will say to me, how did you know that? Or how did you? Well, you know, I am listening and I am connecting to all of that, but it's also the cards that are m helping me too mm -hmm. to not go off track and make sure that I'm, yeah. So how did Bill do? Your promise was to teach him everything that you found. So how is he Bill, doing? Bill is amazing. He has trained as a life coach. He he's still teaching, uh, but he... He is um, he's absolutely amazing. He's, he teaches the kids. Um, he, his uh, area of expertise is math and chemistry, um, which is certainly totally opposite to where I go, come from. Um, but in, he incorporates so much personal development within his classes. It's amazing. And it always amazes me too. The rest of the staff will say, well, how come your results are like that? And, you know, your kids get these amazing results. And he said, but they never really take the time to sit down and, and listen to what I have to tell them. But he does take uh, some, you know, workshops at school and things like that with teachers. So he's doing his thing and he's, as in his words, he's not quite ready to leave there yet. He feels that that's where his place is and that's what he's wanting to do and he loves it. He loves not being principal of the school. He just loves teaching and working with the, you know, well, they're young adults. They're 17 and 18-year-olds, but that's where his passion is. And so is he, <clears throat> is he, did he get the metaphysical stuff though? Did, did, did that... Absolutely. Yes, he's great. And, <laughs> you know, other people, when they go out to dinner or when they're driving in the car, um, I'm sure they don't have the conversations that we have. And with his science background, it's fabulous too, because I can say to him, so, you know, Einstein's theory of relativity, so how does that really work? And... <laughs> You know, we're driving along and he's saying, well, you know, this is how it happens and da-da-da-da. So we're discussing, you know, Einstein and his theory of relativity or whatever. And it really helps me, but it also helps him because he will then say, well, why do you want to know that? What are you, what are you working on at the moment? So then I can give him the metaphysical side of it. And, you know, we both have little light bulbs going off to say, okay, so... That's how it comes together, yeah. the science and, and spirituality. It, it, and it's just such a, a magical time of life to live when we've got all this scientific 
evidence and add that to the spiritual teachings that have come through the ages, the masters. Sorry, I get a bit carried away. <laughs> I, is- I, I love it. You know, like I had a conversation last last week. I was in California and I was talking to some people and they, were, they weren't getting it. And I'm like, okay, you, you, you know, you can lead a horse to water. You can't make it drink. And I have a really hard time just imagining that we come here for 75 years and that's it. Like, that's it. You know, there's no reason, no purpose, no nothing. You just plop down and there you go. Never to be Frankie heard from again. Right. And it, 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 it boggles my mind that people can think that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's life. That's how it works. And yet I think, Frankie, we have to, and that's been a big one for me, because um, I, <laughs> I used to belong to a spiritual circle and um, I left the spiritual circle and I would, but, you know, for other reasons, but I, I would come home and I'd go to Bill, they just don't get it. And then, you know, he would say, because he's this personality and say, Geraldine, that's okay. It doesn't matter if they don't get it. That's just part of that journey, that person's journey. And so I've had to come to that understanding that I've been there too. I've been the drug addict. I've been the alcoholic. I've probably been the murderer. I've been all of those things in the lives that I've led before this one. And so how could I possibly judge someone else who's going through that stage of, you know, this is how life is. Limited awareness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If I can't accept that person for exactly where he or she is, then I haven't got it. (laughs) I haven't got it. Yeah. It's, it's difficult, you know, because you want them to get it. You want them to go, Oh wow. That's so cool. I think coming, I have found over the last couple of years, even in my workshops and things, that coming now from a more scientific point of view, people get it more. They go, okay, this is not just airy-fairy gobbledygook that, you know, we used to think it was. Here's the scientific evidence of, through quantum mechanics and through quantum physicists And now we're just going to match that up to what the ancients taught us and what we know to be true from a spiritual point of view. And then there seems to be that coming together and you can see people going, oh, okay. Give an example of that. Um, An example. I think even just, you know, what we focus on is what we get. Mm -hmm. Now, We've been told over and over, you know, I know for the last 10 years I've been teaching people what you focus on is what you get. You focus on that and that's it has to come about. It's the law. But when I can come at it from a quantum uh, perspective and say, do you understand now the quantum physics or quantum mechanics has actually proven to us, and this is how it works, that we are the observer in our lives. And so what we observe, once we observe something, it becomes what uh, physicists call a quanta package. And if we continue to observe that quanta package, it slowly uh, changes in energy and the energy becomes denser and denser until finally it becomes a reality in this physical, you know, world that we live in and so i i know that's a very brief explanation of it so Um, the shape form has has solidified here in this because because as uh you know quantum mechanics explains to us those physicists they can't do anything they try and put it in a double blind situation they put it in these iron cylinders they do everything and yet they still have an effect on the outcome whilst they are observing it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it is, it's now proven fact that what we 
focus on or what we observe. What we give is our attention what, to. Yeah, that's exactly what we get. Mm-hmm. So it's very true the saying, be careful what you focus on or be careful what you, you wish, wish for. for. Yeah. Because you just might get it. Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so where are you now? And I know that you've got a master class that you're about to start or have started. Tell us about that. Well, uh, frankly, I was pondering towards the end of last year, you know, where do I go to from here? How can I really help people the most? Um, and so I began to think, okay, so I've seen this have incredible uh, effect on people and their results have just skyrocketed. So what if I bring together a mastery class of all that I've learned, bring it back to uh, to um, an easy kind of step-by-step process, give people the basics, the foundational stuff in quantum mechanics and all of that and heart science because, you know, the heart is also a science. So, you know, if they learn that as the foundation and then we move into uh, time, space, reality, all those sorts of things, but, but in a fun, practical way, and I thought that would be um, that would bring amazing results to people's lives, and I'd be able to share what I know. And but the problem was, I also knew that you can't do this in a, a weekend seminar. Mm-hmm. You can't do it in a workshop. There is no way, because I know from personal experience, and you probably do too. You do a weekend seminar, and you come home, and you feel amazing, and you're on top of the world, and a week later, life is in the way. And everything that you learned has kind of gone chung. Yeah. So I thought, this, this is not going to work. How can I do this so that we have um, continuity, so that people actually have that ongoing guidance? And so I thought, right, 30 weeks. It takes 30 days to change a habit. What if we did this for 30 weeks, once a week for 30 weeks, Mm -hmm. and people had that ongoing connection? Now, apart from the initial seminar and the product, you know, it's only $25 a week. And I thought, surely, is your life worth $25 a week? Well, I think mine is, but anyway, that's beside the point. So we do... I put together a, a, a six-hour seminar to start with because that's all the foundational stuff which you need about quantum mechanics and heart science and fifth dimension and nature and all of that. And then we start the week by week and we refer back to all of that that we've learned in the seminar. And, of course, you get a whole big package of product as well because, you know, they're the tools that help us to learn as well so Mm -hmm. the mastery club bringing it back to what it really is i think it's what i say on the website it's about everyone getting the the results that they deserve and learning how to do this so you can do it all the time and we i mean sometimes like you with your tats lotto ticket or tats ticket you know sometimes we have these moments and we go oh wow it worked and then there are other times when we think, why isn't it working now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's really getting it down to basics and, and helping people understand that creation process. So what do you tell people when, you know, it worked last week, Geraldine, it's not working now. <laughs> what, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I always say to people, let's go back to basics. Mm-hmm. Let's see how you're thinking about this, how your heart's involved. Um, and, of course, the absu- absolutely, you know, the, the crucial part of this is your belief, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the certainty. Like I'm sure when you went into that store and bought that ticket, you were absolutely certain this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Without doubt. This Without is going doubt, to no doubt, yeah. And, and it has to be just like we pick up a plate of food and we eat it. This is going to happen without a doubt. I'm going to eat this food. 
Yeah. Um, and it has to be that way. The issue is, of course, when we're observing something, sometimes it takes a little while to bring it into that denser energy. And so after a week, we start to think, well, you know, where is it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we get, and um, the instant we say that, we're caught up in the, it's not happening and it's not, it's, you know, it's not working. And it's, and even, you know, I wanted this to happen and want is a, if a, is the first cousin of not happening. So yes. we really have to have that. That, that language and the, and the, in the thought that it yeah. is. And I guess people also get cut up that it's not in their time frame. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to be in your time frame. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many, like when you think about the variables and all the, 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 the pieces of thread that need to be woven together to make something happen. It's incredible yeah. really, isn't it? Oh, it is. It is. Abso- and the, you know, you only have to look at, and I know this is not, probably not a good example, but you only have to think about a car accident. You know, it's all of the things that those two cars had to come together in that split second for those people to experience mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that happening in their lives and whatever comes from that. So, you know, everything is timed to the split second. And so we have to remember that all the things that have to come together to create whatever it is that you want to create, you just have to sit with uncertainty. Yeah. You know, I always say that change happens best in chaos. And I think, you know, your life proved it. And so many others prove it too, because, you know, we don't make a move unless we're forced to many of us anyway, you know, change yeah. is something that, that, um, doesn't feel good sometimes and yeah. we're forced, we're pushed, you know, that push. And I had a girlfriend call me today and she said, you know, I love it when I'm around my, my friends with, you know, the creative energy that pushed me, pushed me to that cliff and make me jump. And, <laughs> and I get that, I get that, mm-hmm. you know, because oftentimes we're just so complacent and there's nobody to push us. And some people aren't really good at leading themselves. And so they need others to, you know, help build that energy and help build that fire. And so, you know, with you and your mastery class and, and having, you know, like people come together, it's um, sometimes that's what people need. They need to have be with birds of a feather. Yeah. I think so too, uh, Frankie. It's having, and it's, and it's also the creation of that energy around, um, your dreams, your goals, and it's that group energy that creates miracles. So you're not working at it on your own. You've got that beautiful support and and energy that everybody is cheering for everybody else. Come on, we can do it, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's that uh, combined energy that is really, really important as well. You know, I remember Wayne Dyer talking about the news and he goes if you can't change it don't watch it because yeah. you're just going to frustrate yourself and you're going to yes. and and you, we saw you know after 911 how CNN had replayed and replayed and replayed this negative 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 and it 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 amplified across the universe and everybody was so depressed for a very long time and couldn't come out of those weeds you know and and i thought he's so right yeah. Watch it once if you have to yeah. watch it, but don't ever watch it again. Like, And look, I promise, I guarantee you, somebody will tell you about whatever you need to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. You'll they find love out to tell you. <laughs> 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 so, yes, without a doubt, you'll hear about it if you need to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't need to know about it, really. Yeah, because yes. you just got, carry on and do what you need to do. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. You know, if you um, go go to GeraldineTagalove.com and Geraldine is an absolutely fantastic oracle, oracle card reader. She probably doesn't need the cards, but they are beautiful. And <laughs> she does a fantastic reading and I, I'm, I know that you would just love it if you were to call upon her and, and book book a time with her because she's very, very positive and supportive. And I think, you know, a lot of times that's what we need. We need uh, to know that good things are coming. 
Absolutely, Frankie. And I always say to people, you know, if you go to a reader and they start to tell you these awful things are about to get up and walk out because once again, what we observe is what we create. And I certainly don't make up things in my reading. I will tell you the truth, but I will bring it in from a positive perspective because that's what we all need. And we all need to be uplifted and inspired to, to move on. Um, we don't need to be trodden on or, you know, brought down. No, it, it must be that positive, um, a, a positive reading, but still with those, um, I guess what you need to know too and what you need to learn. But I like to work with people who are open to learning and growing uh, in any way that they can. Uh, just before but, we go, your new book, Today's Note to Self, is it, is it a journal? Is it a – It's a – Do I pick any it, page or do I go – Yes. Yes. Pick a page? It's like a, a – a, I guess a coffee table book or a beside the bed book. Mm-hmm. And so if you're in need of a little bit of inspiration for the day or you once again, you know, what do I need to hear today to lift my life? You just open the book at a page, look at the note to self and then read the message beside nice. it. And it's just a little inspirational book from mother nature sharing what um, she knows is true. So it's a, a lovely little book to have there. I love that. And your mother nature is a little different than our mother nature. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're just, a, the energy is still the same, just yeah. different. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you live in a place that has like the most deadliest animals in the world. <laughs> People say that um, all the time. Yeah, yeah, we probably have a, you know, a few things around, but I guess you don't. But they're so unique I, and different and so cool, you know, it's like. Yeah, there are. And kangaroos are great. And, and yes, they, they do hop around everywhere. And yes, they're kind of in plague proportions at the moment, but um yeah, they are everywhere, and we kind of take them for granted. But they are. I remember at the B and B, I'd have these guests in, and and there'd be kangaroos everywhere, and we just kind of, you know, yes, You're that's used to it. Used to it, and and I remember one guest used to say to me all the time, there were regular visitors from the UK, and he would say, I feel like I've got the the Qantas airplane jumping in front of me, you know, oh, the flying lovely. kangaroo, but. Um, and the koalas are beautiful. They're yeah. rather, they can be deadly too, mind you, but you know, they can be quite ferocious. Um, but they look few cute. snakes, few snakes that are a bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, like who created the platypus? I mean, that's like just bizarre. Oh, they're just beautiful. And the frogs, you know, I mean, you've got these giant frogs and yeah. crazy stuff. But cool. And they all and they all have a beautiful message to share with us if we take the time to listen, which is lovely too. Mm. Do you have so, a spirit you have I know that you have dog cards, but do you have spirit animal cards? No, I don't. I don't. I've um I mean I love animals and mm-hmm. I love what they teach us, but I've always been more interested in what a leaf has to tell me or what um you know, a pebble has to tell me or what a feather has to tell me. Yes, it's it's just the way I've, I guess I've You're t- worked attuned. with nature. Yeah. Yeah. And the animals are great. I mean, I often, sometimes I'll quickly look up what does that mean because I have these strange experiences. Like I walked into the office a few weeks ago and here was a dove sitting on my desk and oh, I was wow. like, how did you, how, how did you, get, you in get in here? Well, while you're here, we may as well have a chat. And, um, so I'll go and put the kettle on. And when I come back, we'll have a chat. And then I opened the front door and it found its way out. Oh, wow. So, you know, it's just amazing how, yeah, animals do appear to us when we, when they've got something in particular to tell us. So it's time to stop and have a listen. Well, I want to say goodbye to those in the in the chat room here. Thank you for joining us this evening, and uh, check out 
Geraldine's page, and I think that you will love her as much as I love her, and I'm sure that you you found that out by listening to her speak this evening. Geraldine, I know it's Thursday morning for you, uh, but it is Wednesday evening here. <laughs> yes, yes, it is, and um, I'm going to shortly, when we finish, Frankie, I'm going to go downstairs and sit back and have a lovely cuppa, and I'm I've been eyeing off what Jacinta has in her, you know, I know there's freshly baked scones there and nice. there are lots of lovely. I'm sure the smells coming up from the kitchen are just wafting up. Or delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Breakfast time. So I might have to try something yummy. Yes. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, thanks again for, you know, driving an hour and more to, to come on the show tonight and being such a trooper. I really, really appreciate it. And oh, I know thank that you. those thank listening you. to too. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure and an honor, and I've loved sharing. So I just hope it's been of some help to somebody out there. Oh, for sure know. it has. For sure it has. Yeah. Well, we're going to leave Facebook. We're going to go back to uh, our home at Zoom. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in and listening today.